God knows. And I know you have plans. You've been conversing with him, and you probably have a time frame. But it's just cool to see, you know, that, hey, I'm putting it out there and just letting God be God. And that's how we want to live life. Let God be God. And so happy for you, and we'll be praying for you. Keep in touch. Let us know. If you, if you need some money, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, help you with a million dollars that we get whenever it comes in. All right? We'll, uh, we'll share a little on. <laughs> so it's good. Well, I'll try to keep it together this morning. Joseph, thanks for sharing that. It just stirs all of us up, knowing that Josh's life is still having an impact, you know, that our life is still having an impact, that that's what we want, the generation, the legacy, that no matter what, what we do here on earth, well, I wouldn't say it this way, what we do here on earth has an impact, right? And, and it's going to continue to carry on, hopefully, to generation, to generation, to generation. And there's a lot of things that, that hopefully we've broken in our generation, and will continue to break, or even our parents have broken, that, that we'll pass on to our own children or, or those that we disciple that will just have a kingdom impact. And so it's just beautiful to, to see that and come, not necessarily full circle, but to see a little bit more of that and, and God's just, a, uh, just how he works and how he does different things. And so hopefully if you're not a Carolina fan, you'll be pulling for him this afternoon as a result of that, right? <laughs> to win the championship, right? Isn't that right, Brandon? <laughs> I know Mike Holton told me he's going to switch over. <laughs> All right. Wait. If you open up your Bibles this morning, um, John chapter 17, we're going to be looking really at what is considered the very final part of Jesus' farewell discourse, which is kind of from John 14 to John 17. After he had the, the Last Supper with the disciples, Jesus began to speak to his disciples from John 14 through 17. And this is the last bit of, of Jesus' words. He's not necessarily speaking to his disciples. He's praying. And so this is a prayer for us, or a prayer that Jesus prays, a prayer for us to look at and, and to dive into. And so this morning, what I want to look at, or what I've titled this, is transformational prayer. And those are kind of two buzzwords in the church. Um, not just now, but kind of all times, I guess, in some ways, is the word transformational is probably more of a buzzword. That, hey, we're not just growing, we're being transformed by God. And, and that's true. We, we really, truly want to be transformed by God. And of course, prayer is always in church. It's always good to say, hey, I'm praying for you, we're going to pray, all that. And so when we combine them together, it can kind of give this title, hey, transformational prayer. We're going we're to learn something great today. We're going to go and transform the world. We're going to see the results tomorrow. But we probably won't see the results tomorrow. We are going to look at transformational prayer and, and begin to say we want to pray more transformationally. We want to pray in ways that are going to transform our lives and people's lives. But we may not see the results on this side of eternity. We may see it on the other side. I was looking the, this week in my office and even at home. I've got a lot of books on prayer. Anyone have books on prayer just kind of sitting around? It's like, we want to learn how to pray. They actually had one or two that had a title similar to transformational prayer and I was thinking, man, all this stuff that I know about prayer, there's the acronyms, right? The, the, the ACTS acronym, and there's another acronym that kind of helps you form how you should pray. There's the Lord's Prayer. There's all these things that everyone has put on paper and books to say we should pray this way and this way and that way. And if I ask you just maybe a simple question like, what's the right way to pray or what's a good way to pray, I probably get very different answers along the way because we all have different personalities. Some people like to pace, some people like to get on their knees, some people like to do it in the car, different things like that. But what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to take everything you know about prayer and just throw it out. Just as if you had a little bit of knowledge. 
Not saying that stuff is bad because you can take it back once we're done here. But let's just take a lot of things out and begin just to look at the Word this morning, just kind of with a fresh set of eyes. Like, I don't know that much about prayer. I know maybe talking about or talking to God or something with God. And we'll just go at that point and um, see where the Lord takes us. Anyone here like Transformers? Yeah. All right. Just how you bring it up. I'm, I'm going to, oh, you already brought it up. I'm going to talk about Transformers, but I am not a subject matter expert on Transformers, all right? And if you vote me president of the Transformers Club, I'm going to be very upset because I know hardly nothing about the Transformers. I, I haven't watched the movies. I remember as a kid, I had one little Transformer, but it broke, and, and that was the end of my Transformer days. And, uh, but, but I like the whole concept of Transformers. This is Optimus Prime, am I right? All right, I don't know what generation of Optimus Prime this is because I read there's some, been some redesigns and all. But, but the idea is that you have this semi-truck, the, the tractor of the trailer, um, that transforms from something that is somewhat powerful. It can haul stuff. It can run someone over. It can do certain things, right? But it transforms into this, I don't know if I want to say butt-kicking, but I just said it, right? This, uh, this lean, mean Fighting machine, yes. Robot that's, that's fighting for peace between the humans, or to have peace with humans, but also fighting against, I guess, the rival Transformer, Civil War people. Am I, am I right here? I told you I'm not subject matter expert. All right. And you guys should be up here doing this. But isn't that cool? Something that's just ordinary in existence transforms into something that can change the world, that, can, that really a lot hinges on in a sense. So when we talk about transformational prayer, I want us to kind of think about it this way, that prayer, if we pray kind of the way that Jesus shows us how to pray, not just here in John 17, but this is our text this morning, that it can take us from having an ordinary existence. And I'm careful in saying that. When I say ordinary existence, just that our common life that we live sometimes, it can take us from that place to something that's, that's transformed and spirit-filled and, and purpose-fulfilling. And again, not saying that's not happening, but to a greater degree. Don't we all want to be, I don't know if we can say more spirit-filled, but we want to live more by the Spirit day after day. We want to walk more into the purpose that God's given us. We also want to just um, be transformed day after day, you know, from glory to glory or from faith to faith. And so I want us to look at it this morning, and, and John 17 really gives us a model. And I love the fact that this is really Jesus' last major action. Right after this, um, Jesus is arrested and, and the trial takes place and, and all that. But this is his last action, is prayer. And we see throughout the word that Jesus prayed. He, you know, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. He got away at times to begin to pray. He prayed for people um, in the midst of, of others being around. And so Jesus prays a lot. And one thing I was thinking about this week, and, and I may, I'm going to put my opinion in just a little bit here is Jesus got away sometimes to pray. You remember the feeding the 5,000? You know, Jesus, the disciples have seen certain things take place. And Jesus um, is made aware by the disciples. I mean, he kind of knows what's going on. But they say, hey, Jesus, send the crowds away because they need to go into the villages and find some food. And then there's this whole conversation takes place. And he says, why don't you guys find some food and feed them? And, and in their reaction is like, what? Us? How? And you think, okay, they've already seen Jesus turn water into wine. Who knows what else they've seen Jesus do? And they're still kind of questioning. So Jesus kind of frustrated a little bit at them, 
you know, and, and he's like, all right, give me your bread, give me the fish, we'll, we'll turn it into whatever we turn it into, and we'll feed. After that, he sends away the disciples almost immediately. He says, all right, you guys get in the boat and go to the other side. And he withdraws to a place of prayer. Now, the Sea of Galilee sits down a little bit, and, and, and around it is kind of a hill country, almost into a bowl. So Jesus is probably up, looking out upon the water, praying for his disciples. And the word says they're straining against the oars, right? And they've gone maybe a mile or so. It's about maybe seven, eight miles across the Sea of Galilee. They've been doing it for a little while and only made it a mile. Jesus is sitting up there praying. I wonder why he's praying. You ever thought about that? Lord, I hope that everyone enjoyed the meal tonight. Lord, give them a good night of rest. Let them have a good day tomorrow. Amen. Think he was praying that prayer? How many times do we pray that type of prayer, though? Yeah, too often. You know, and I'm not knocking, you know, praying over our meals, but, you know, sometimes when we sit there and we pray, what do we pray when we're praying over our meals? You know, I, was, I, was, I didn't grow up necessarily praying over our meals, and if we did, it was more of a form prayer. God is, God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for his food. By his hands we are fed. Thank you for his daily bread. Is that right? All right. So something more like that, right? I grew up Episcopalian, so everything was kind of form prayers in, 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 in a lot of ways. But what do we pray a lot of times? Lord, give me a good day. Give my family a good day. Lord, bless us. Lord, I pray that tonight when I go to sleep, I get good sleep. And I'm not knocking this. These are fine to pray. But I think the Lord wants us to go just a little bit deeper in our prayers. When you think about how Jesus prayed, probably for his disciples, he probably prayed transformational prayers. Lord, transform them. Lord, sanctify them. Lord, take their heart of of, of whatever it may be and begin just to make it more pliable. Lord, prepare them for the calling that they have ahead. And you think about Peter and, and John and the other disciples being early, not early, but in their early career as a follower of Christ, I guess you could say, um, fishermen and walking through different things. A lot of times they were asking, Jesus, what did that mean? Jesus, what about this? What about that? And he's telling them. Then you get to a place, though, where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, you're the Messiah. He says, this doesn't come by flesh and blood, but by revelation. See, Jesus, I think, has been praying transformational prayers. This is where I'm injecting a little bit of my opinion. But if you look at Scripture, I think we can make this this assumption quite well. I don't think Jesus is saying, Lord, let's pray that Peter has a good day tomorrow. Pray that, you know, his nets don't break. I think he's praying, Lord, transform him. Turn him into a man of God. Prepare him for what's ahead. And these are the type of prayers we want to give, begin to pray. And I think even here, this is a prayer that Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I know Peter has a little bit of a, a dip here as he denies Christ. But we learn 40 days after the resurrection or so, or when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter stands up and begins to preach, and thousands come to know Christ. It didn't just happen by hanging out with Jesus. It didn't just happen by osmosis. It happened in combination with Jesus praying a prayer that changed Peter's life. And we have this same text this morning that we begin to pray over our lives. But more importantly, we begin to pray over other people's lives. Join me here in, in John 17. We're going we're gonna to look at this prayer. And I don't have enough time to exegete verse by verse. I would love to do that. But I just want to kind of us go through this and, and pull out just a couple things here and there. So starting in verse uh, 1 of chapter 17, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh, so he may give eternal life to all you have given him. 
This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. And we'll stop right there for a second. Just like, can you go to the PowerPoint? I forgot to, to tell you this about the prayer before we read it. Jesus, Jesus breaks his prayer up into six different parts. Hopefully you can see this. And this is what we're going to look at is, are these six different parts here. Really five of the parts. But the first one is that the Son will be glorified, verses 1 to 5. 6 through 8 is that, that he, that Jesus accomplished his purpose concerning the disciples. Verses 19, or 9 through 19, Jesus prays for his disciples. 20 through 23, um, he prays for those who believe. Verse 24, he states what he wants for his disciples. Wow. And then, uh, that was subliminal. And then, uh, which is transformation, that's what he wants for his disciples. In verses 25 and 26, restates his purpose and the purpose of his believers. So we're looking at these first six verses here, which is really, these are so rich, these verses, and I really wish we could spend more time going into it. But he's saying, God, you are glorified, but also may I be glorified. He's talking about just God being glorified here on earth. But the cool thing is almost the simple thing. Go back to verse 1 that I, want, I really want to point out, and this is the point I want to make is Jesus spoke these things, and he looked up to heaven, and he said, Father. Now that kind of hit me a little bit, and, and I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer in conjunction with this. This is almost exactly the way the Lord's Prayer starts. Our Father, who arts in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. And so Jesus is coming in prayer, and, and, he, and he knows what's getting ready to happen, but he's focused on the Father. Father, he looks to heaven, symbolically looking to the Father, and he's acknowledging who he's praying to. How many times do we come, though, in prayer? And I know we may acknowledge that we're praying to God, but we all of a sudden just start laying out what we need. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I want this. But what I get from this is that Jesus' focus is upon the attributes of the Father. The attributes of, hey, you're eternal. You're unchanging. You're just. You're faithful. You're truth, you're powerful, you're trustworthy. You're a friend, you're a provider. You're a chain breaker. And so I, I want to encourage us as we pray that the first thing we do is to come and focus upon the character of God, the essence of God. Because so many times we come carrying so much with us and we're saying, God, I need this, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. And we go away and God doesn't answer a lot of that. And we're like, well, what happened here, God? Is it me? Did I pray wrong? Or is there something sin here? Is there something with you? We don't know. Because a lot of times we've gotten our focus upon off of who God is. And even that affects how we pray. If you know he's the powerful one, if you know he's the chain breaker, we're going to pray with that type of confidence. If we know he's truth, we know he sanctifies us through his truth, it's going to affect how we come and we interface with him. It's about getting our focus right. Just like, can you go back? I've got him flipping between two different things here, so there's a little bit of a lag. You go back to one of the slides, the one that talks about verse 1. Go to the next one. All right, so here it is. Transformational prayer starts with communion with God. That's nothing new under the sun. It's nothing new that we haven't said in a while. But it starts with that communion. And it really starts with us stopping in the business of our day and communing with God. 
You know, one thing I'm trying to do when, when, when I have a meal and, and I'm praying is not, Lord, thank you for this food. I pray the rest of the day it will go good. Is what do I need to pray for right now? Lord, what do I really need just to, to offer to you in the next 20 or 30 seconds? And a lot of times it's a praise to God, Lord, you are this, Lord, you are that. Thank you that you're guiding me through that. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Second part here, let's go to the next slide, and I'll read the verse. It's verse 6 is really what I want us to, to focus in on. Well, verse 6 is through 8, verses 6 through 8, Jesus praying for his disciples. He says, I have, I have revealed your name to the men you gave me from this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that all things you have given me are from you, because of the words that you gave me. I have given them. Um, they, have, they received them, and I know for certain that it came from, or they came from you, or I came from you, and they believe that you have sent me. So, verse 6 is what I really kind of want to put out there. I revealed your name to the men you gave me from the world. Jesus is stating to the Father his purpose and his mission. A lot of times we think Jesus' sole purpose is to go to the cross, die for us and all. And it is, it fits within that. But his mission is, hey, I've revealed your name. I've made you know. Going to the cross is, is the way, the truth, and life to get there. How many times, though, do you pray, Lord, where am I on my mission with you? Your God-given purpose. What God has laid in your heart. See, a lot of times I think we're waiting till we, till we get to eternity and we say, okay, God, how did I do? And he's going to say, okay, well done, good and faithful servant, come on in. What if we fail a little bit? There's grace on that, I know. And he's not going to say, well, you can't get in. He's still going to let us in, right? But along the way, we don't like to assess each other or ourselves. Anyone like assessments? No one likes assessments, right? We had to do assessments when I was uh, at chaplain school. And uh, there was nine of us in a group. And they're like, all right, you're going to do peer assessments. And I'm like, I hate peer assessments because it's all based on worldly leadership styles a lot of times. The loud one, the one who, who you know, is, is not yelling and screaming, but a lot of those or are, are, are whatever. And you had certain people who were in leadership positions. Of course, they're going to get higher marks than those who don't have leadership positions. But it also makes me nervous. Maybe there's this insecurity that's there. Maybe we all have insecurities, right? We don't like the feedback. But it's like, I don't want this. So, so we just kind of push assessments to the side. Anyone like their yearly assessment at, at work or something, if you have one of those, gets real nervous or whatever? As a result, we don't like to assess ourselves before God. It's God, right? How many of you want to come before God and say, God, how am I doing with the purpose you have given me? And listen. And you may say, hey, you know, you need to tweak this, or hey, you need to do a little bit more here, or hey, you're just kind of sitting back doing nothing. Maybe that's the truth of what it is. But I think what Jesus is asking here, or showing us here, is we need to have times of assessment. Times that we go before God and say, God, am I on mission? Am I on purpose? Am I doing what you have called me to do? And if not, then we can readjust. It's almost what Ivor was talking about last week. You've got to know your why before you do your what. Too many people are doing their what without asking what the why is. And, and if you don't come and say, Lord, here, I'm, I'm doing this and this, and the Lord says, well, your why is this. Does it line up with it or not? And if it does, you keep walking in it. And if it doesn't, then you begin to shift and change. I challenge you to come before the Lord regularly, weekly, whatever, and say, Lord, you've called me to X, Y, and Z. 
Am I doing X, Y, and Z? Maybe it's discipleship. Lord, you call me to discipleship. And you're just having an assessment. How am I doing with discipleship? Well, I haven't called anyone. I haven't met with anyone. I haven't prayed for anyone. Now I need to get myself in gear. It's more for you than anything. All right, so moving on, verses 9 through, through 19. As Jesus reports to the Father about his purpose and mission, now he begins to pray for the disciples. And he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those you, gave, you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I've been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you, may be, that, that you have given me, so they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not, only, uh, not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so they also may be sanctified by truth. All right? So this is what Jesus is praying. And there's a lot in this. But if we go back to the PowerPoint, I just pulled out a few things that I think we can begin to pray that are transformational for ourselves and for others. It's not, Lord, bless them. Lord, be good to them. Lord, whatever. There's some real interesting things, and, and I wish it was a little bit bigger. So they're in the world. So Jesus is saying, protect them by your name. He says, so that they may be one as we are one. So there's a unity that Jesus is praying between us and the Father or us and the Trinity. I guard them. May my joy um, be, may my joy completed in them. I think I misspelled that one, sorry. And I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Go to the next slide. Sanctify them by, your, by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. May they be one as we are one. And the question is, what would happen if we begin to pray this way? Listen to what Jesus is saying. So many times we pray and we say, Lord, in my suffering, Lord, take this mountain and just get rid of it so I don't have to walk up this mountain or through this mountain or around this mountain. But Jesus is not praying this type of prayer. The disciples are going into the world, and he's telling them, you will suffer, you will face hardship, but he's praying for their protection. He's praying that they be guarded. He's praying that whatever happens, that the word of God, that truth would sanctify them. He's asking this type of prayer over his disciples, not, well, Lord, take them out of the world. Lord, um, let them live in comfort and ease and all this great stuff that will come before them. He sent them out into the world in the same way he sends us out into the world. And we need to pray this over ourselves. We need to pray this over each other. We need to pray this over others. Lord, protect them. Lord, guard them. Lord, may they be one. May there be a unity that is there. Lord, may my joy be completed or your joy be completed in them or in me, in my, in my family, in my neighbor, in my coworker. Lord, I'm, I'm not asking that you take me out of the world. 
but you place me in the midst of the world and use me in those places. Protect me from the evil one. Sanctify me by truth. Sanctify my coworker by your truth because your word is truth. Sanctify my family. I started praying this over my girls this week, Lord, at night, because I realized sometimes, you know, at night, I'm tired. It's been a long day. Lord, bless them. Give them a good night's sleep. Give them a good day tomorrow at school. Amen. I got convicted, you know. So I've been praying a little bit different prayer over them. Lord, sanctify them. Sanctify them by your word. Continue to grow them spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Lord, use them. May they know the calling that's put there in their lives. I'm not saying that we don't pray this. But sometimes it's just easier because it's 9 o'clock at night or 8.30 and you still got to send these emails and do all this stuff just to kind of give them a little Hail Mary prayer and get to your stuff. I don't want to say Lord, or not Lord, but I think the Lord is saying to us, what happens if we just stop and we begin to pray a little bit more transformational over not just ourselves, and I'm really not trying to put ourselves in this, but over others, over our spouse and our kids and our church members. We all still need to be sanctified, right? Over those that we work with, our neighbor, whoever it may be. And this provides us a, a really a blueprint along with other, other places in Scripture where Jesus prayed. But things like this, protect them, sanctify them, watch over them. Jesus goes on as he begins to pray for the believers in verse 20. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am you. May they also be in us, or be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one, and I in them, and you in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. There's still a lot in there. May they know your love. May they know the, the I know we can't know the death of God's love, but may we know, may, may my spouse, may my kids, may my church members, the, the people I go to church with, know your love deeper and deeper. May they be one in mission and spirit and unity. And, 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 you know, you can take this and go many different ways with it. But these are transformational words of prayer that I want to encourage us to put into our lives. You don't know how to pray, turn to John 17 and just begin to pray this. You don't know how to pray, open up a psalm and begin to pray a psalm. Go to where Paul's writing a lot of times and, and, and prayers, and especially in Ephesians, and begin just to pray those. Verse 24, Jesus says, Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory, which you have given me because you've loved me before the world's foundation. This is a little bit of an interesting verse. As, you, as we've looked through this prayer, Jesus is saying, look, send them into the world. Protect them. But he says, hey, but my desire is for them to be with me. Jesus is getting ready to, to, you know, to go to the cross, and he's going to go to heaven. Wait, wait, is Jesus praying that they, they be with him in heaven? He's, he just prayed that they would be in the world, but now he's praying they would be in heaven. I think for us to understand, John 14, 3 gives us a little more perspective or some perspective on this. Jesus is saying, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am with you, or where I am, you may also be. Just saying, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place, and I'm going to come back, and my desire is for you to be with me. Now, this isn't a thing I don't believe about, hey, losing your salvation or anything like that. I think it's a call to mission and purpose. 
And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm sending the disciples out into the world. I want them to go out and change the world. And that's exactly what they did. But I'm coming back, and I want them to report back to me what they've done. Have they fulfilled the mission that is there? And again, there's grace that's on all this. But have they fulfilled that mission? Will they stand before me and report back, Lord, you gave me charge over this, 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 and this, and here's what I've done. Here's what we've done. And a lot of times we separate that. God's still working with us as he gives us that mission. But a lot of times in American Christianity, and Joe hit this you know, a few weeks ago, is, Lord, what can I get out of this? Lord, I want to come to church. What, what's the word I get? Lord, what's, what's, what do I get out of reading your Bible? But the Lord is saying, I've put you here to send you out into the world to be my light, to be my salt. I'm going to send you out in places where you need protection because you're going to go against evil. You're going to fight. And he's telling his disciples this, and he's telling future believers this. And we know what happened to the disciples. They went out, and they changed the world. They had some hardship, and that's an understatement. They all ended up losing their lives as a result of the gospel. I'm not saying that we have to go and, and live likewise, but we should be willing to say, Lord, I'm taking your word, and it's not just for me. Yes, I know you and I'm in relationship with you. But now I'm going to go out into the world and begin to be used by you. That's the mission. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples here is I'm coming back one day and I want you to give an account for what's taking place. Have you taken the five talents or the two talents or the one talent that I've given you and used it for my glory? And Jesus is saying that's my prayer for the disciples that they would be transformed, they would be sanctified, that they may know the love of the Father in order they may go out into the world and begin to make a change into the world. Paul talks about running the race many times, um, that our life is like running a race, the Christian life. He says, the Hebrews writer says to run the race with endurance, right? And and we're going to read that in just a second. But, But he talks to the Galatians, says, hey, you were running well. What happened? Who bewitched you? Who cut in on you? Other places he does say, who cut in on you? You were running. Set your, set your eyes on the prize that lies ahead in order that you may receive the crown of glory. To, to the Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. This is right after the, the hall of faith type chapter in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews. This person, this person, this person, by faith, by faith. We have this cloud of witnesses, but we also have a cloud of witnesses that are around us, modern-day witnesses. So he's saying, because we have that, let us, it's a command in the Greek, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. And then he says, again, a command, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God's throne. See, Jesus came and he knew what his purpose and mission was. And, he, and he's reporting back to the Father, hey, you give me the disciples, you give me others, and, and I fulfilled that. For us, he wants us to walk in the same way, to continue to run the race that's set before us. I heard this story recently about an endurance racer, or race, and... Um, I don't know if you've ever done these. I don't know if anyone's ever done an endurance race or you know about these, but they're hundreds of miles, right? And, and they can be in some really hard conditions, maybe through the desert. And so, you know, there's all this 
uh, equipment that these racers run in, the certain types of shoes and different things like that, and they have all their power bars and Gatorade and all that stuff to refuel their bodies. And so there was this race. So everyone gets up to the line, and, and there's this one guy that comes up, and, and he's a farmer. And he's got his overalls on. I mean, he does have some Nike running shoes on, but he's just dressed as a farmer. And, and these guys, you know, they got their, their Ray-Bans or whatever sunglasses, their Oakleys, and, and they're ready to go. And so gun shoots, and they just take off. You know, and they're running 12, 14, 16 hours, and it starts to get dark. And, um, you know, this farmer, he's, he's behind. He's, just, he's running so, slow and steady. So they put down for the night, and he just keeps running, keeps running through the night. So they all get up, and they're like, who's the guy way out in front of us? And so they're all panicking, and, and they catch up to him soon, and they pass him. And again, they stop, and he passes them in the middle of the night. And he just keeps going. They get up, and they can't catch him. End of the race, he wins the race by two days over these competitive extreme runners. And they were asking him, what, what, how did you train? What, what, what happened? He said, well, I didn't do any special training. But when I had a sheep that left the farm, I would just run after him, wear him down. It could be two or three days just chasing a sheep or, or a horse or a cow or whatever it was. He was learning to run the race with endurance. Because the mission was, there's one that will not get away. It's like Jesus leaving the 99 for the one, if you think about it. And so many times, when, when we look at people, we don't value the people around us. It's a lot about ourselves. And I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. But it's those neighbors that are around us, our family members around us, coworkers around us. And a lot of times, it doesn't have to be anything complex other than just simply praying for them. Prayer transforms people's hearts. Prayer transforms people's lives. Not us. Not the cool words that we say or, or the cool gadgets that we have. It's God through prayer that transforms people's lives. And I want us to begin to pray transformational prayers. Not to come before God and say, God, it's good. This is great. Whatever. But Lord, sanctify me. Lord, protect me. Lord, take me deeper. Lord, stretch me. Those are dangerous prayers. We don't like to pray. They're not dangerous prayers. They're biblical prayers. People have labeled them dangerous so they don't have to pray them. I want us to be men and women who begin to pray these prayers and begin to see God work in different ways. We know this is out there already. I mean, the power of the praying parent, power of the praying spouse, power of the praying whatever. There's testimony after testimony after testimony. I want us to start this morning We're just going to take a minute or two right here and just pray. What Jesus is saying is he looks to the Father. He gives praise to the Father. He evaluates kind of where he is and his mission and his purpose. And then he begins to intercede for those around him, the disciples, believers, and others. So let's just take a couple minutes, just you and the Lord right here, just beginning to pray transformational prayers over yourself, over your family, over your coworker. It could just be one person you're praying for this morning. Just begin to pray.
Lord, we just thank you this morning just for a great time of praise and worship of you. Thank you for all you've done in our lives, encouraging us, stretching us. Lord, I pray that you will teach us to pray at a, at a deeper and new level, Lord. Lord, that we will take the words within John 17 and begin to pray them over those around us. Lord, I pray that, that you will help us understand our calling and our mission. And as we go out into the world, Lord, that you will protect us, that you will guard us. Lord, that you will unify our hearts with your heart. Lord, I pray you continue to sanctify us with your word. Lord, transform us as you renew our minds and renew our hearts. Lord, help us to simplify our walk with you. Lord, it's not too difficult. It's not, it's not too complex. It's simple. You want us in your presence and you invite us into your presence. Lord, I pray that you would just take us deeper in, in that communion with you, especially as we converse with you. Help us to not take for granted the moments that we speak with you. Let us pray transforming prayers and even that the simplicity of words getting away from sometimes the hurriedness and the busyness of blessing and good and I know you hear those prayers but Lord stretch us to pray just a little bit deeper Lord I pray just over each member of PIC I pray you sanctify all of us. Lord, I pray you stretch all of us. Lord, I pray you just continue to send us out into the world. May our lights shine. Lord, may we know you more and more and more. May we know your word, not just a head knowledge, but in our hearts. May it transform our hearts, our character, our personality, our, our, our callings. Lord, have your way with us. Lord, help us to trust you in greater ways. Lord, I pray that as we step out of the boat and onto the water, that we'll keep our eyes focused upon you. Lord, help us to run this race that's set before us with endurance, Lord. We don't have to be the fastest. We don't have to have the right equipment. We don't have to have any of that. Just putting one foot in front of the other day by day as you strengthen us, Lord. Help us to run this race. And Lord, at the end of the day, let us be able to look back and say, Lord, how was it today? And Lord, if there's areas where, where maybe, maybe we phoned it in a little bit, that you speak to us. Give us that second chance the next day to do it. May your grace just be so abundant in our lives. May your grace be abundant in, in the lives of those that we speak to and minister to, Lord. I pray you change our mindsets that we're not going to work tomorrow. We're going to a place where you've called us to be on mission. Or we're not living in a neighborhood because it's a nice house. We're living in the neighborhood because that's where you've placed us to be on mission. Lord, we're not going to eat at a restaurant. That's where you've taken us to be on mission. 
Lord, you're not just sending us to church to check something off the list. You're calling us there to be unified together, to minister to each other, to go out into the world together to change this world. And we honor you and we thank you for that, Lord. That you find us broken vessels capable of doing this. Lord, reveal yourself to us more and more. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Let us not take it for granted in any way. Thank you, Lord. We honor you and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name.